If you have a copy of God's Word, I hope you do. Open to 1 Peter, 1 Peter, towards the end of the Bible. If you need to use the table of contents, we are going to be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. And as we continue our series in 1 Peter, we're talking about this, hope in the dark, hope in the dark. Peter has gone through some things. Last week, we just looked at a little bit of the background. Where has Peter been? He was called, chosen by Jesus. He walked with God Himself in the flesh, Jesus, and He would be then sent on mission. And we saw some snapshots of old Simon and how Jesus was making him new, turning him into Simon Peter, becoming Peter, changing his name, but not only his name, his character. And so we are going to take another step forward to get a glimpse into who Peter is, who he's writing to, and why this letter that was circulated throughout what is modern-day Turkey, why this was such an important letter for them. So much was happening. They were running for their lives. And Peter starts off the letter, if you're there, First Peter 1.1, right away. He says, Peter, he's an apostle, which means sent one. He has authority. He is writing the very words of God down and in this letter it's being passed around not to one church but to churches in an entire region why is it being spread so wide because there was persecution that they were under attack they were running for their lives and so what does peter write to a church on the run a church in the dark a church that doesn't know what's going to happen next are they going to make it well guess what God spoke through Peter writing this letter that there was more than enough hope no matter what they faced. So this morning, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what the unknown of your future is. I don't know what kind of burdens you carried into this room. But I wonder if Peter would have a few words of encouragement that you would leave with a different perspective, a different mindset about whatever comes next that there is hope, even if the darkness doesn't lighten up, that there is so much hope for each one of us. And if you're in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1.1, we see that there is a hardship and rejection and opposition. This isn't new to the New Testament church. This isn't new to Peter or to Christians. God's people have always, throughout history, they've always been outcasts. They've always been an odd group of people that don't quite fit the story of the bible is not just what happened in the past the story of the bible is what always happens what's always been happening throughout history here's good news jesus has always been the solution to every single problem god has always had an answer answers are found here answers are found here there's problems and they are not going to go away but there is a place that you can go that i can go again and again to find solutions to problems where there are no other answers anywhere else. God has always provided the way forward, an answer in time of need. Verse 1, we covered this last week. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles. Those are two big, big words. Elect exiles in the dispersion. Remember, they're dispersed throughout. They're running from home to only God knows where. And they go to... Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, all over this region of modern-day Turkey. And they 
not only now don't belong because they belong to Jesus, but now they are foreigners, they are exiles in a foreign land. And he says, this is the good news. Their title is elect exile. Okay, can we get our minds around that? You are chosen by God. You are favored by God. Grace is on you. You are accepted by God even though you are rejected everywhere you go. Anybody feel the weight of that tension? I'm loved by God but hated by some. I am chosen and seen and cared for by God even though I am pushed away and rejected by others. Only Christians can live with this tension of it's always going to be this way both and even though our expectations may be different, Peter's like, this is who you are no matter where you're driven off to. And here's the good news. We've talked about this in the past. We serve a triune God. Tri-unity. Three in one. And guess who's going to show up in the second verse of First Peter 1? Guess who's going to show up? Not just the Father. No, which uh, that would be awesome, right? Not just the Son, but also the Holy Spirit. We're going to see in one verse the Trinity is laid out for us. There is hope in the God that we serve. And so we're just going to break this down. If you're taking notes, go ahead and jot this down. You may not be received by the world, but, everybody say but, here we go, but the Father knows you from eternity past. Everybody say that's awesome. My Father knows me. My Heavenly Father knows me from eternity past. I am known. I am known by Him. Even if I'm not received by the world, he receives me. That is really good news. Look at there. Just the first part of verse 2. If Peter is writing to this church, these elect exiles, he's saying, it's according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Hey, hey, you might not be the world's choice. You may not have gotten picked first or even in the middle for, for kickball at recess. You may not have been chosen by many, but... If you really think about this, if the God of the universe looks to me and chooses me, not because of what I've done, but because he has put his favor on me and he has reached out and grabbed hold of me, I don't care who doesn't like me. I don't care who rejects me. If God is for me, it's been said. Why? Hey, who, who can be against? In a sense, who cares who's against? Compared to God, who cares? The Father knew me. When? when I finally made the right decisions and I cleaned up my life and I, I started sitting up straight and talking correctly and, and I got rid of all the bad friends and then finally the Father's like, now you may enter. Is that, is that the way it played out? What does Peter say? He reminds us of this. According to the foreknowledge, the knowledge of knowing all of history, God the Father chooses. The elect. You are elect. I'm known by God. I'm known by God, and I didn't do anything to deserve it or earn it. That's really hard to believe, isn't it? It's really, really hard to believe that. So, I, I was pretty good though, and at least I was making an effort and I was trying. Before the foundation of the world, we're told, before time began, chosen not based on anything that we've done. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. Is that the message that you preach to yourself every single day? I, I can't screw this up. I can't be good enough. I can't be bad enough. God has chosen me and I am secure in Him. My relationship with my Heavenly Father never changes. 
I'm accepted, never to be rejected, even if, and can we get real personal, even if all growing up you experienced rejection, even if family members to this day still keep you at arm's length, even if there is strife and there's animosity, there's attacks and there's just constant war between you and family members, especially parents, no matter what your earthly father is like, your heavenly father is totally different. Love, forgiveness. You are stable in God's love even when life is unstable. If you want to jot these references down, write down this address, Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. If you want to go back uh, on our podcast, we, we went through Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3. Uh, entire message on this, but Paul agreeing with Peter here, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And, and John has something to jot down in Jesus' words. We see John 15, and I think you have that in your outline. John 15, this is so powerful. Jesus says, you did not choose me. I chose you. You didn't choose me. I choose, I choose you first. And I appointed you that you should go and you should bear fruit. That your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, Jesus says, He may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Because you know you're chosen, that you're fully loved, even when you did nothing. Now go love one another. Go love others the same way that you have been loved. If the world hates you, Jesus said, know that it hated me before it hated you. Who do we follow? If you're a follower of Jesus, I'm not assuming everyone is, but if you follow Jesus, this is one important key factor in your followership of King Jesus is the world hated Jesus. How are they going to treat you? The world rejected your boss. When you follow in the footsteps of your master, you are going to be treated the way he was. And maybe that comes as a surprise to some of us, but we need to know that. We need to know that. Why am I being treated this way? Why is my life not getting better? Why am I not getting richer and I'm being more liked? Because I'm following in the footsteps of King Jesus who was rejected, persecuted, tortured, killed. We follow in his footsteps. This is good news and really hard news for us to hear. The world hated me first, he says. If you were of the world, the world would love you. Oh, if you were just like the world, they would love you. But because you're not of the world, man, we should come up with like a bumper sticker of like not of this world or something like that, right? That, oh, that's already taken, All right? Because you're not of this world, I chose you out of the world to be distinct, right? Therefore, the world hates you. The world hates you. Well, Jesus starts off with this. There is a distinction between your likability, your friendships, and your relationships based on whether you follow or not. But this is the call. Did you see it there in verse 16 of John 15? I choose you and I appointed you. This is the purpose of your life that you should go and bear much fruit. You should be fruitful 
you should be changed, right? You may not be received by the world, but I love this. Peter continues on the same vein because he followed Jesus. He knows this truth. The Spirit is transforming you from old to new. The Spirit is transforming you from old to new. Do you see it there? Verse 2, he says, not only according to the foreknowledge of God the Father that you're elect, but he says this, in the sanctification of the Spirit. Sanctification of the Spirit. So, we're talking about transformation, sanctification. Yeah, I'm sure this morning you're like, hey, just call on me and I could provide you with a, a very succinct definition of sanctification. Any takers? No? Not so much? Here, here we go. Because I love you so much, I'm going to provide you with a definition. Okay? Uh, you might have this already written down. What in the world is sanctification? If the Holy Spirit is sanctifying me and I'm experiencing sanctification, I hope, I hope we would understand what that, what it is, right? So here we go. It's the supernatural process started and finished by God whereby a Christian progressively lives out his or her new identity and purpose. What does it result in? A lifestyle of good works resulting in conformity, ultimately conformity to Jesus likeness all right so so could could you boil that down for me all right you were justified you were made right with god you were saved if you're a christian to be made like jesus to be made like jesus can you say that with me be made like jesus that that's the whole point big big fancy word over here is if you are chosen if you're elect that you have been justified it's just as if you never sinned just as if you always obeyed is the way that the father sees you through the son he didn't save you to leave you but he saved you to change you sanctification transformation there's change well when is this change going to like finally be the real deal and i'm going to ultimately be done with all of this change because change is hard anybody feel that change is hard change is hard change is hard i want to be secure and safe i want to stay the same and god's like i love you too much to just leave you as you are i need to sanctify you to make you holy to cleanse you to get rid of the old and put on the new until finally everybody say finally what what happens in the end for all followers of jesus guaranteed that you will enter in the presence of God, and you will be just like Him when you see Him face to face. Glorification. When you enter into glory, you will be glorified. All the change that needs to take place finally will be over. All the stinking maintenance of all these years having to, ah, I messed up again, and ah, I gotta, I gotta turn away from that. I gotta confess it. I need to repent, and I blew it, and I screwed up, and I keep going back to the old ways. And when is this finally going to be over? And Peter's, Peter's so encouraging that he's like, it's not over until it's over. And in the middle, it's going to be painful. You are going to be opposed, attacked. You are going to experience persecution. And the Spirit of God is going to be in you, making you somebody totally new. I don't know where you were a year ago. I don't know where your heart was, your motives. I don't know what your value system was. I don't know where you spent 
every penny over the past year. I don't know where you spent all of your time and energy. I don't know what you did in private when nobody was looking. But the reality is, where you were a year ago should be different compared to where you are today. And a year from now, you should be different than you were today. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit in you is powerful enough to overcome every obstacle and every addiction and every single stubborn, hard-hearted direction that you have gone down and that He wants to sanctify you, sanctification, more like Jesus, more like Jesus every, every step of the way. Unless, unless, here we go, here's your option. Unless you would like to just stay the same old crusty you. Anybody in favor of that? I just really like being old. The old me, the way that I've always known for years and years and decades and decades. I just love being fleshly and selfish, ignorant of God's Word. I just love living for myself and what makes me happy, living for my own pleasures. I love all my addictions. I just want to stay the same. I think we all know God's not going to let you stay there because He loves you too much to stay in the old, more of the old. He wants new. And that's what He's doing here. Sanctification of the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I just feel like, is there not a fast forward on this thing that we can just kind of speed speed this up? Is there like a fast track maybe? And do you know what happens if you're, maybe you already know the secret, okay? Don't, don't tell anybody, all right? Maybe this is just between us. There's a little secret within church world that we have a tendency to kind of want to speed up the process of not sticking out too much and not making this sanctification thing too messy or too long. That we have a tendency, instead of letting God do His work in changing our hearts and the painful, slow, right, pressure cooker process that God takes us through, we just, how about I just fake it? How about I just fake it till I make it? How about I just, just kind of speed this thing up? And, and we learn a lot of secrets at church, right? Well, if I, if I dress the right way and I use the right words and, and if I have the proper manners, then, then people will just kind of leave me alone and assume that everything's fine in my world. How helpful would it be if you would drive over to your, your local orchard and say, man, I would, I would love some fresh fruit. You, you got trees that have massive, shiny red apples hanging on them. And, and I got my little bushel here and I'm, I'm ready to like fill this puppy up, right? Because I want the real thing. And man, those look so good. And you reach up and you find out there's fake plastic fruit stapled to the branches from a distance when you pulled in you were going that we got the right spot honey this is the place right you're dreaming of all of the glorious things that you're going to do with all those apples and all the caramel and the pies and you're it's going to be amazing until you find out that ain't real but it, it looked good from a distance do you believe that god wants more for your life than fake plastic fruit where people from a distance can kind of see you're doing okay and kind of got enough Jesus to, 
to get by. Christianity light is working for you. Not too much. But God wants to grow real fruit on your trees. But there's only one way. And Peter is burdened that the church would know it's through the trials. It's through the darkness. It's through the suffering. It's through the hard stuff that real fruit is going to grow. You're going to be changed from the inside and there's nothing that you can do to try to speed it up or fake your way. Fake it till you make it. Ain't working in Christianity. Peter is so passionate about this. More like Jesus. Dead to the old. Life to the new. And if you're taking notes, just jot this down. How, how is this sanctification thing different than, say, here's the, the other big fancy word we use is what? Justification, right? Justification means I'm right with God. I'm going to heaven at this point. I already prayed the prayer. I, I'm already good with God. I, I don't need to be pushed anymore. How is getting right for the first time with God different than actually walking with God getting to know Jesus, connecting with Him, having the Holy Spirit work on you to change you. How are these things different? Well, here's three, three quick ones, okay? You ready? If you're, if you're jotting these things down, justification is legal, right? Like a courtroom, God says, boom, innocent. You are no longer guilty. You are cleared of all charges. A legal action took place at the point of your salvation, of justification. But that's different than sanctification because it's transformational you go from legally right with god to i'm just getting started being transformed day by day from one degree of glory to the next we are not content church right this is the point where you agree with me wholeheartedly right we're not content with just i know i'm saved i'm going to heaven okay get off my back we're not content with that i signed the card i prayed the prayer i, I raised my hand okay i made a decision i made a decision Right, and that decision leads to transformation day by day until the day you die and you're glorified. That was just the starting point. Nobody goes to a marathon, trains up, stands at the line, and the gun's raised, and it's fired, and you go, all right, I'm done. I'm glad I showed up to the race. I'm glad I qualified. I'm glad that everybody else wants to run. Losers. I'm going to be over here with the Cheez-Its and all of the free drinks. The reality is when the gun fires, you're just starting the race. What started legally as you being right with God continues with transformational lifestyle. How about this? Justification happens all at once. Everything that God has for you in forgiveness and grace and guaranteed sealing until that day that you are going to heaven all at once, it happens. But then, sanctification happens over a lifetime. You are right with God at once. You don't earn your salvation. You don't work hard for it. It's not a process of, I'm getting a little bit closer to being right with God. I wonder how many of our coworkers and neighbors and friends and family, if you were to say, are you right with God? And they go, I'm working on it. You're working on getting right with God. We would say according to God's word, he told us getting right with God happens in a, in a moment. You don't work on getting things right. But when you're right with God, you now begin the process of 
a lot has to happen over my lifetime for me to be just like Jesus. And that's the goal. How about this? Justification. It's legal. It's all at once. And I love this. Jesus' work. Jesus' work. Everybody say it's His work. It's His work. It's Jesus' work is the grounds for our justification. Why are you right with God? What's the foundation that you're building on? Jesus did the work. I could never do the work. He lived the perfect life. I could never live the perfect life. He's the one that died in my place. I should have died. The grounds for me being right with God is all Jesus' work, not my own. But, everybody say but. Sanctification, here we go. Jesus' life is a pattern, right? It's the pattern for sanctification. He did the work. Now I follow His pattern of living the life. Following in His footsteps. And do you you believe that you have everything you need? At the point of salvation, you have everything you need to follow Him. You don't have to wait for something else to happen. God gives you everything you need to now day by day say, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. God, what do you want me to say? What thoughts should I be thinking right now? How am I to live in relationship with people that are difficult? How do I stay put and stay focused and I'm diligent when I want to run and escape? How do I do the hard stuff when all I do constantly is look for the easy? God, I want to see your pattern of going through and persevering. There's hope when we see that Jesus is the model, but the only way I can follow him is if I get right with him first. Are you right with him? Have you said yes to Jesus as he's the king of my life? He's my rescuer. He has forgiven me of all of my past, present, future sin. My life, all of my life, it's his. And are you at a place where you're seeing, I keep screwing it up when I do it my way? Jesus, what would you have me do? We've said this before, the bracelets are coming soon, all right? Wristbands. All right, they'll, they'll be out in the lobby someday. Not, not WWJD, but instead WWDD. Not what would Jesus do, but we get to open the book and see what did Jesus do? What did he do? What did he do day to day? How did he respond? How did he value what his father's kingdom values? I want to follow in his footsteps. If, if you want to jot down these addresses, I just love that God is in the business of making us new from the old. If you want to read through 1 Corinthians 6 this week, it's just so awesome. Because Paul is reminding the church in Corinth, just as a a side note here, he's saying, all of you were living selfishly for yourself, sensually, sexually. Everything was about you and pleasure. You were using your money to maximize your own benefit. You were taking and stealing. You were doing whatever you wanted with your time and your energy and your body and he says this in 1 Corinthians 6.11. Huh. Paul's like, well, such were, were some of you. Some of you were like that in the past. This is awesome. But, everybody say but. Here we go. You were washed. You were sanctified. There's that word again. You were justified, made right in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Do you believe that God radically transforms lives? Do you believe it? it? It wouldn't take you long 
even this afternoon in a few conversations with people in this room to hear stories of I was one way and now I'm completely different. I was pursuing my way and now God's way. It's not going to take long for us to recognize God is at work in our church among our people. But the question is, can you share stories personally of I am not the same I was last year, five years ago, ten years ago. I am different. God's changing me. Such was my life, but now, but now. And how about this? Colossians 3.12, if you want to jot this down. He says, put on, take off the, the old, dirty, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. You are so loved, living a holy life, compassionate hearts, he says. Kindness, put it on. Humility, meekness, patience. Is that the old you? That's not the old me. That doesn't describe my lifestyle. But the new me, things are happening like Jesus, right? And here we go. You may not be received by the world, but here it is. The Son, the Son. Everybody say Jesus. Here we go. The Son is driving you away from rebellion to obedience. You see it in 1 Peter 1-2. Towards the end there, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. For obedience, you were chosen and elect. Why? To obey King Jesus. Whether you realize it or not at the moment, you were signing up for the rest of my life, I am submitting my will to King Jesus. Not my will any longer. And what does he add there? He says, sprinkling with His blood. Everybody say, what? What is this blood sprinkling? What? How did this show up in 1 Peter? Who's Peter talking to? Many of the followers of Jesus that Peter had influence with were coming from a Jewish background, radically saved from Judaism, and now they were followers of Jesus. Do you think that a former Jew would have had some clarity the moment he said sprinkling of blood, that there would have been some images in their minds? I hope you know that's true because it is. If you want to jot down Exodus 24.8, Exodus 24.8, they probably would have been thinking this. The Jewish listener, Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. And again, you can look up the context there of Exodus 24 and prior they would have understood that from the beginning that Moses giving the law and providing symbolic blessing over God's people that it would have represented someone died so that you could live but here's the other thing that it would symbolize so clearly if someone was slaughtered and killed for you Namely, they're looking forward to the spotless Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. That instead of being killed, I am now being purchased. And that whatever the Master that purchased me says, I do. They so clearly would have understood blood was spilt and sprinkled over us because we don't belong to ourselves. We know what we deserve. And that we have been bought at a great price. So now we submit our lives and we obey the King. 
We sang nothing but the blood of Jesus as our first song coming in. And I just, I love, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Do you feel that? Like sin shreds us to pieces and pulls us in all different directions. And I don't even feel fully human. The only way that we can be forgiven, that we can be made complete, that we can heal is by Jesus' sacrifice for you, for me. Have you believed? Have you believed? I don't assume that. I don't assume that. But if we believe and we've been made right, what do we do? We live a life of obedience. We live a life of fruitfulness. We change. We're transformed. Our life tells a story of who we belong to and what's been done to us. So does your life tell a story of the old is fading away, the new is coming day by day? Is that the story that your life tells? Because the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are at work for your radical transformation. And if you know God, you can't be the same. You must be transformed. And here, as we close, if you would just shout out with me, land the plane, come on. We want to do this. If you would stand with me and as we have Son Hell come on up. I love this. I love this. That we can say boldly, we can say clearly, if we are followers of Jesus, that we can say, God is changing me. God is changing me. And I, I want us to commit to remembering and recalling these things as you go throughout your week. Could we say these together? I would love for us to lift up our voices. Let's say it. God is changing me. How about number one? Let's say it together. God's control brings comfort and security. What else? God's presence goes with me. Yes. What else? God's purpose is for me to be like Jesus. Father, thank You. Thank You. Thank You that You would choose us. That we would be elect. Even if we are outcasts. Even if we are rejected. Even if we feel like there, at times there's no hope. Remind us, there's hope here. Not someday. Right now there's hope. There's hope because, Father, You love and You see us and You bring us close. Holy Spirit, there is hope. Thank You that You remind us. There's hope because You're changing and transforming us from the old to the new. And Jesus, thank You for the hope that You provide. That You laid down Your life. That we could live not just one-way ticket to heaven, but God, that we could live for You every moment of every day. God, don't let us go. Don't let us stray when, when attacks come and persecution comes and when all kinds of bad news comes our way. God, don't let us go. Hold us. Keep us. Keep moving in us to move forward in Your power, in Your strength, with Your hope, we pray. In Jesus' name.